1: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoke and audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and
2: You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life.
3: And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's Let's start start with with Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Sandra Champlain. Champlain.
1: I was up late last night and I was doing some reading about people's near-death experiences. I was on the website IANS.org, which is our friends at the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and I got pretty interested in this one. I read to just a certain point and then I decided to just press the record button and start reading to you, thinking you might enjoy the story. Where the beginning of the story goes is this gal and her boyfriend are somewhere in Puerto Rico. He's a surfer and she wanted to go snorkeling. So she's out in the water and decides to head back to join the surfers on the beach. Unfortunately, there were huge waves that came. She said she thought they were smaller than they were, but they ended up being about six foot waves. And there was a rocky cliff that she gets pushed into. So I don't know who she is. This is an anonymous near-death experience. But let's pick up with where I was reading, and I'll read to you. I swam out with my goal to get to the outside past the waves rolling onto the shore to join my boyfriend and the other surfers. Unfortunately, I was caught inside a set of waves and being pushed further down towards the bottom of the rocky reef beneath me. The undertow made it challenging to swim, and the strong currents pulled me towards the rocky reef cliff. Suddenly, I was being bashed up against the reef cliff, and trying to climb it to escape from drowning. Sea urchins were all over the cliff, their tentacles entering me as I attempted to climb up. My red crocheted bikini was twisted and torn in places. I slid down the cliff back into the water. Another wave came and pushed me under again. I am going to die, I thought. I was drowning. I couldn't breathe. I was choking on salt water and being pushed down further and further to the reef bottom. I remember thinking that if I get trapped under the reef, I would never surface to the top again. As I came back up, another wave pushed me into the rocky cliff. I felt more sea urchin tentacles push into me. The needles stuck deeply into me as I slid back down the rocky cliff scraping me more as I headed back into the water. The experience seemed to be slow motion. Once again, I thought if I could just climb that cliff, I might have a chance of saving myself. When I popped up out of the water, choking and frantically swimming to stay afloat, a wave pushed me onto the cliff and I started climbing up the rocky reef. As I climbed, more sea urchins' tentacles landed on my hands, my arms, my legs, and under my nails. Numb to the pain and highly alert to the sound of each tentacle breaking off into my body and the thunder of the ocean, with a rush of adrenaline, I continued to climb higher and prayed, Please don't take me, Lord. I am not worthy to go now. Reef abrasions tore onto my skin, dripping blood onto the rocks as I climbed. The ocean was roaring at me. I felt it agreed with me too. She's not worthy, but had concluded instead, let her drown. It seemed like forever that I continued to climb for my life. Another wave reared up. I had to get higher, where it was going to take me down and under. I'm going to die for sure if I slide down again. As I crawled up the cliff with every last ounce of energy I could muster, I prayed again, God, please don't take me. I haven't done enough. There I was, hanging on for dear life, trying to bargain with God to give me more time on earth. At that moment, I detached from my body, and a cloudy version of myself was pulled straight up and out of my body through my head. I could feel the weight of my body lifted from me. My cloud-like self was forcefully put upon my bottom in an upright sitting position on the top of an old wooden bench. There I floated or hovered and sat above the bench. I wasn't touching it. I was aware simultaneously of my drowning physical body below struggling to get away from the big wave that had reared up and was about to strike me and wash me back down the cliff into the water. As I observed my material, physical self trying to survive, I witnessed below me on the beach that people were gathering and I heard a young man yelling, there's a woman out there drowning, caught on the reef. Let's go save her. As I observed my physical self, struggling for survival, I witnessed the gathering of people joining the young man. A human chain was being made to rescue me from the ocean. Being keenly aware of the scene and also having a heightened sense of awareness of sound and warmth, I hovered in a seated position over an old wooden bench and watched an unfolding scene which included a review of my life. To my right. There was a very long stream of warm, bluish, white lightning-like light. As I levitated over the bench, intuitively, I knew this force was in control. I remember thinking, this must be God. My cloud-like self was shaking with fear, a kind of fear I've never experienced before. I was scared that I was going to be judged and found not worthy enough to go into heaven. I was fearful that I hadn't been living my earthly life to the fullest. I was no saint, but I wasn't that bad either. At that time, I didn't know why I thought I wasn't worthy. But years later, I would find out that it was a learned adaptation from my childhood. As the light of God was to my right, there was a tunnel in front of me. My growing up father, Joe, was floating to the left of the entrance in a cloudy form of blues and browns. To the right of the tunnel next to the entrance floated Christ in a cloudy form of whites and pastels, of pinks and blues. I felt safe with Jesus and seemed to calm down a little when I looked his way. He radiated warmth and love and telepathically let me know that I was okay. My growing up dad seemed to be communicating inside of the tunnel with a shadowy figure. Intuitively, I knew this form was a man, and they seemed to know each other like they were friends. The shadowy figure was asking Joe if I was coming. Joe replied, we don't know yet, and glanced over at Jesus. Jesus replied, patience, we don't know yet. We're waiting to see. Joe gestured back to the shadowy figure to confirm what Jesus said. The shadowy figure man was about the same height as my father. He was very energetic and had thick Elvis-like hair with the wave in it. He went down the tunnel to inform the other beings. I could hear a murmur from the end of the tunnel from the collective gathering of beings. In harmony, they asked, is she coming? Then the shadowy figure came back down the tunnel and asked my father, Joe, the same question, is she coming? Intuitively, I felt as if I knew this male entity, but didn't know why or from where. There were thousands of beings in a dark, silhouetted, collective form at the end of the tunnel, all coagulated together and murmuring, is she coming? The group at the end of the tunnel knew me. It was then communicated telepathically to me that they are my ancestors and friends waiting to greet me. The shadowy figure went back down the tunnel to answer their question. Projected onto a white screen to the right of the tunnel in front of me, I watched a panoramic review of my life in reverse. The story was reviewed as a black and white 35 millimeter movie film. It began with seeing myself drowning and seeing people coming together to save me. From there, I saw flashes of my life and childhood. The projection went by so quickly, it was difficult to focus and know what I was seeing. I remember thinking, please slow down the film. Then the film changed to a dull color, and I observed my birth and before my birth. The film slowed down allowing me to take in more clearly what was being shown to me. I saw myself asking to be born to my parents, so as to learn the lessons of perseverance and resilience. In the viewing, I witnessed telepathically being told by a spiritual being, it's time for you to be born. I had to leave. However, I didn't want to stop riding my white horse to be born i saw myself as a young child 10 or 12 years old riding through the air in the life review i was streaming cloud of colors yellow and light tans riding on a white horse similar to the cloud forms and colors of christ and my father joe i was aware that this projected self on the screen once lived on the other side of the dark tunnel. I saw a very long, wavy, off-white, lighted, cloud-like mane on the horse. I thought how very beautiful the horse's mane was and how regal I looked atop the powerful horse. Is that person really me riding the horse? I thought. I then heard the sound of the film flapping loudly behind me as it finished on the reel and went around and around. Looking back, I wonder if the flapping was the sound of the waves bringing me back to my earthly reality. The beginning of this viewing was at warp speed, and at the end, it was easier to focus on what I was seeing. This seems like a good place to take our first break because there is more to the story. I find it so interesting that as she's being slammed up against the sea urchin-infested rocks, that she has this out-of-body experience and is so vivid in her memory and description. I don't know who she is, but we're going to call her the girl in the red bikini. So we'll be back with The Girl in the Red Bikini in a moment. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
0: Stay right there. There's more Sandra coming right up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Shades.
2: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
3: Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to
2: iHeartRadio.com. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at PurdueGlobal.edu. Hi, it's Dr. Sky. Keep it right here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM. Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and I am snuggled under my covers reading you a story, a true story, of a gal who was caught in the big waves and being slammed against a rocky cliff, having a near-death experience. Where we last left her is she was having a life review. So let's continue. As I viewed the film, I was very aware of multiple events happening. There was the shadowy figure in the tunnel, and at the end of it was the collective consciousness of the beings waiting for me and murmuring in the tone-like chant. Is she coming? To my left, as I hovered over the old wooden bench, my father, Joe, was standing by the tunnel entrance. To the right of the tunnel entrance was Jesus Christ. He was a man in his 30s, and he was floating about two feet off of a cloud. There was the light, or God, next to me, to my right, at a touchable distance, My life review was screening, and finally, I could see the scene of me drowning and people gathering to save me. I was aware of all of this happening at the very same time, and I remember this overwhelming feeling of love and acceptance in a way I've never felt before. I was scared, but not as frightened as when I first arrived. As I recount this event to you, it all took place very, very quickly. I intuitively remembered feeling this connection to everything and thinking, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if I went down the tunnel. Then I was aware of God telepathically telling me, loudly and directly, that I was to go back and teach that God does exist. The Spirit continued to tell me, go and prove to everyone about what you have seen and experienced. The next thing I remember is being thrown back forcibly into my body, through my head, at light speed, and God telepathically telling me, Time is of an essence. Time is short, as you know it. Go teach. I am that I am. I landed back inside my body with a hard jolt. I then felt the reef abrasions on my body and the sea urchin needles under my fingernails and the rocky cliff slicing open more wounds on my body. As I gasped for a breath and braced myself for the incoming wave to push me to the reef bottom once more, a young man said, Give me your hand. He stood precariously bending over on a section of the rocky cliff with an extended arm and hand out to me, offering help. He was being held and supported in a chain of about five or six people, young men and two women. This was the group I had observed from my out-of-body experience. I reached my hand up to the young man and he pulled me up and passed me down the human chain all the way to the white sandy beach. I remember thinking that these people risked their lives to save me. I remember feeling this unconditional love and compassion for these people out of the depths of the waves standing on the rocky reef cliff, risking their lives for mine. I remember thinking they are getting cut up for me. Once safely on the beach, I remember a young woman offering me her white towel. I told her I couldn't take it because I might get it bloody. She told me it doesn't matter you need it more than I do. She helped me to put my red crochet bikini back in place. I was naked, bloody, and twisted up in my bathing suit. I laid down on the beach and my boyfriend came to my side. I was murmuring something to him. He replied, don't ever tell anyone that. They'll lock you up in a mental institution. I went into shock and was rushed to the hospital. For years, my boyfriend's words kind of froze my resolve. Over the years, as I experienced a few difficult relationships in my work and my personal life, I believed what people believed about me at the time, not being worthy, and that what I had to say was not valid. That belief only strengthened my ex-boyfriend's warning, but my near-death experience was real and I couldn't stop thinking about it every day. Years later, when I was 65 years old, through DNA testing, I found out that my growing up father, Joe, was not my biological father. And before my mother's recent death, she confirmed that. Since this admission, my blinders have come off, and my whole being has been transformed and awakened into a more confident and self-assured human being, knowing that I was gaslit my whole life brings healing and an understanding as to why I wore blinders most of my adult life and felt unworthy. As a child and teen, I intuitively sensed a family secret, and this shadow lived strongly around my parents. Before my mother died, she said I was a constant reminder of my biological father because I looked so much like him. It was difficult for them to wake up to me every day. As I aged, the resemblance to my biological father could not be ignored. Their pact to never tell anyone that I was not Joe's child was a painful one. I grew up with their family trauma, pain, and emotional abandonment imprinted on my soul, which gratefully has been healed. When I met my half-siblings, two sisters, they showed me an 8 by 10 photo of our biological father, Raymond. My near-death experience flashed in my mind, and I recognized that he was the man I saw in my experience. A voice said inside my mind, that's him. It was not the first time that I heard that voice confirming and telling me things. However, now, with more confidence, I knew for sure that that loud voice was as real as I am. Since this experience, the message that I am that I am and that God exists weighs on me on how to best share it. I sometimes see a scene flash in my mind and or sense in my body that I know a person from perhaps a past life that we had together. This experience was especially strong when I met my ex-husband, the father of my children, in the early 1980s. I now believe that there is a collective consciousness that we go to after leaving our physical body and that we will be met with unconditional love and someone we know who has passed will be there. Even if we may not recognize them, we will have and feel a connection to them. I know that I'm always loved, no matter how much I think I may not be worthy enough. I am now in constant dialogue with God every day on how to best serve all sentient beings. That's a pretty powerful story by the lady in the red bikini, and glad it had a happy ending. Amazing to me, When I hear these stories, the experience of being out of the body and not going through all the pain, and especially having the gathering of the people at the end of the tunnel saying, is she coming? It's easy to believe that the hereafter is a place of all perfection and that we know all the things there are to be known in the universe. But I don't think so. I definitely think it's one step above this place in the fact that we can learn whatever we want. We can telepathically communicate with people. There are colors that our human eyes have never seen. So it's pretty great, but we are still people having experiences. We bring with us our personality and with that, our excitement. So if we see a loved one at the end of the tunnel, We want to know, are they coming? It's heartbreaking to hear that this gal's mom and her growing up father lied to her about her biological dad. It's easy to blame our parents for life not working out, isn't it? But if we think of our parents, most of our moms and dads were just in their young 20s when they had us. So I think we should give them a break They did the best they could. You never know how their parents treated them. And it is my firm belief that we human beings do the best we know how to do at the time. But those feelings of not being good enough, that our voice doesn't matter, of not feeling worthy are very real with many people. They get ingrained in us when we're young people and we could be 70 years old. And that voice still rings true for us. But it's not true. If we can take a minute or five minutes and look back on our life and maybe even jot down on a piece of paper the accomplishments we have in our lives, the school we went to, the diplomas we have, or the children we've raised, or the times we've made a difference for another, and we can let that fuel us for who we really are. We can also ask the people in our lives, what do they think our strengths are? And as you collect them, and you may wish to write them down, take a look because we each have an inner negative voice that is fighting for the not good enough kind of statements. But those attributes, those positive statements that other people say about you, that's who you really are. Sit with that a second and take that in. You are kind. Loving, generous, funny, strong, and so much more. While we have that inner voice of negativity, I also know we have an inner voice of knowing the truth. It may sound like someone else's voice, but from personal experience, it is our higher self and often speaks in our own voice. Now would be a good time to stretch, maybe get yourself something to drink, And we're going to take a break. So we'll be back in just a moment with more. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network.
3: Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up.
2: This is it. Your moment.
3: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Art Bell Vault never disappoints. Classic audio at your fingertips. Go now to CoastToCoastAM.com for full details.
2: This is it. Your moment. At purdueglobal.edu
1: this is afterlife expert Daniel Brakeley, and you're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. Are you ready for another story? Well, I sure am. This one is titled, He Saw My Mother's Little Brother, Who Died at Age Five. This woman writes, I would like to share with you my husband's near-death experience. On June 11th, 2016, I rushed my husband to the hospital due to his being unable to breathe. The whole week he had been complaining of having difficulty breathing, but every time he went to the hospital, they sent him home with breathing treatments. This particular Saturday, we were set to celebrate my son's graduation party, and my husband felt out of breath, so he took a breathing treatment while I took my son to the park. When I arrived home, my husband was on his knees, gasping for air. I somehow managed to get him in the car, called 911, and drove him to the nearest emergency room. In the room, they stabilized him for a couple of hours, and then it got worse, so bad that they had to intubate him and put him in a paralytic coma in the ICU. I was under the impression that this would be only temporary, and everything would be okay in a couple of days. The next morning, I got a call from the ICU asking if they could put a line in him due to his kidneys failing for dialysis. I was in shock. My husband only had high blood pressure and now he can't breathe and his organs are failing? I got to the hospital and the doctor told me that we would be lucky if my husband made it through the day due to his kidney failure. At the end of that evening, he started to urinate, a little sign of hope. The next few days, things got terribly worse. Due to the fluid buildup, he now had double pneumonia, sepsis, his high blood pressure skyrocketed, and the doctor told me he could have a stroke or a heart attack while in the coma. He was on so much sedation for the coma that the doctor warned me that he may not even come back the same person. By day five, he had all of these things mentioned above, and heart failure, respiratory failure, and kidney failure. The doctor informed me that there was nothing else they could do for him. During this time, I was searching for an answer. I knew what it was like to pray and believe God for a miracle, but I had to find something else. I could not lose my husband. My children, ages 13 and 9 at the time, could not lose their father. I searched YouTube for how to create your own miracles. I listened to Stuart Wilde. I found binaural healing beats and frequencies and played them in my husband's ears. I asked his family to pray, churches to pray, but as his wife, I had to make things happen. In a YouTube video from Stuart Wilde, he mentions to take this path like a warrior You almost have to go to a different realm and believe the outcome you want and not what it looks like in reality. To others, it seemed like I was ignoring reality, but in fact, I felt I was creating the reality I wanted. As the doctor was telling me that my husband wasn't going to make it, I had to believe something different with all of my might. I saw him getting up out of the hospital bed and returning home with sound mind and no health problems. I couldn't understand how my husband could be healthy one day and then totally on his deathbed the next. I continued on this path and the nurses would comment to me daily, wow, you are so strong, probably because I wasn't crying by his bedside. I had to know without a doubt that he was okay. I was in warrior mode. Believe me, I don't know how I made it or how I did it. I just knew that I had to. That night, the night doctor told me there was nothing they could do. I contacted a person I had met at a conference who called herself an angel healer. She is Native American, and I asked her for help and guidance in the situation. She told me that she had seen my husband getting better and that he was in divine order and his lungs were healing right now. She asked for my permission to go to the spirit world and talk with him. She gave me some instructions on what not to do in the hospital room, like cry and grieve or talk negatively, which I was already doing. I gave her permission. The next day, the doctor said that there was a hospital bed that opened up in CRMC, which was a bigger and better medical center, and that they would need to transport my husband by helicopter. They warned me of the consequences, that he could have a heart attack or a stroke. I agreed for him to go. He arrived at the hospital in the evening, and they did every test possible to find the cause of his sudden respiratory failure. The CT scan, MRI and other tests showed no cancer, no rare diseases, just the pneumonia. He stayed in this hospital for five days and he finally came out of the coma. It took a while for him to realize what was going on. He swore that he was in the 1980s. He thought he was in a hospital for cancer treatment. He thought the top of his head was cut open. He even thought that he was in a nightclub that played Mexican music. I read that the brain tries to make sense of things, and maybe all the bells going off in the hospital made him think like this. The next day, he was transported to yet another hospital, out of the ICU, where he stayed for another five days. A total of 15 days in the hospital, and he was finally released. Right out of his coma, he was trying to communicate to me what he had gone through. I tried to tell him to take it slow and easy, as he was just in a coma. He described to me that he was in a lot of pain, that he was floating in a dark tunnel. His name was being called in an unfamiliar voice. And then he described that he saw a light, and the light kept getting bigger and bigger. He was then in the presence of some people he recognized like his mom and dad and other family members. They communicated with him through their minds. They didn't actually speak. They told him how proud they were of him. Some of the people just smiled. He said it was a place of perfect peace and love. We continued the conversation over the next few days while in recovery, and he would mention more and more things to me. He said he felt like he had messages to give to certain people. At this point, I truly didn't know what to think. I thought maybe this was a dream he was remembering, or maybe this was a story he heard from other people's experiences. Then he told me he didn't want to come back until the lady told him it was okay to come back and breathe. I asked him, what lady? What did she say? He said she was telling him to breathe. It's okay to breathe. He said he kept telling her it was too painful to breathe, but she was there and guiding him. Now, remember the angel healer I mentioned above? Well, I pulled up her picture on my phone and didn't say anything to him. I acted like I was just searching on Facebook and he pointed and said, that's her. That's the lady that told me to breathe. My mouth dropped, and I knew that this was no dream, for it was real, and it did happen to us. Imagine my amazement and shock. Another jaw-dropping moment was when my husband told me, before he came back, a little boy on a bike was calling to him. The boy kept saying, hey. My name is Buddy Gomez. My name is Buddy Gomez. Tell them I'm fine. Tell them I'm doing good and everything is fine. My husband was baffled because he had no clue why this little boy told him that. But I knew exactly what he was talking about. This was my mother's little brother, Buddy, five years old, who was hit by a car. While riding his bike, he had been following my mom, his big sister, on the road when he was hit by a car and killed. My mother was blamed for the accident and felt guilty about it her whole life. This happened in the late 1960s. My mom is now 61. When I told my mom and her siblings, they cried. What a healing and closure to bring him back after all of these years. I can truly say that my husband went somewhere and experienced pure love, peace, and joy. He stated very clearly that he felt no stress, and it was perfect. This experience has caused me to be open to the universe and everything that is out there. It has caused me to question every religious teaching I grew up learning about heaven and hell. I believe there is a God of pure love and we are energy that returns back to the creator no matter what our spiritual beliefs are or our behavior was here on earth. My husband wasn't perfect. He cussed. He was easily stressed, got angry, hasn't attended church for a long time and he still experienced God's true love. My husband healed completely, and after all the MRIs and blood work, everything came back fine, and still to this day, there is no medical explanation as to why all of this happened to my husband. My husband's sneak peek at transitioning to another world is something he has no fear of, and neither do I. After all is said and done, I don't know which part of all the prayers... The angel healer, my belief, and constant knowing that he would come out just fine made this miracle happen. I know it all made a difference. So let's go for our next break, and we'll be back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere.
2: Purdue's online university for working adults you know you're worth it we do too so don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu
3: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal
2: Podcast Network. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
3: Hi, this is ufologist Kevin Randall, and you're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: To Shades of the Afterlife, I'm Sandra Champlain. Let's see if we can squeeze in a few more near-death experience stories while we have our time together. It was 2015, two days after my birthday. I was to undergo a wrist surgery to release a tendon as I was in immense pain and movements were restricted in my thumb. The nurses in the operation room asked me if I was allergic to any medication, and I was not. The doctors and nurses were getting me ready for the surgery and gave me an injection of emiset, which controls vomiting and nausea. I had a very bad burning sensation after they gave me the shot, and I had an allergic reaction and went into a state of anaphylaxis, and hives began to cover my arm. They controlled it by giving me a steroid and went ahead with the surgery, and I fell unconscious. I was moving from a black hole and remember feeling like I was warm and inside a womb, like a baby. And I was very tiny, and all I could see were drapes flowing soft cloth in colors of red, orange, and yellow. They were bright and beautiful, and I started to move upwards, and the drapes were never-ending. As I kept moving upwards, I felt so much love, so secure as a baby must feel inside a mother's womb. I felt love in the purest sense. Love without temptation, love without jealousy, love so pure I cannot express it in words. I was so detached to my real world that I did not even think about my family or my husband or my children. I was drawn only to the supreme love, and I kept moving up into a light. I felt very close to my destination, as if it was a finish line, and then all of a sudden I felt I was slipping down, and while I was slipping, I tried to hold the fabrics that I saw, yet the fabrics let me loose, as they were so soft, they were slippery, and I simply could not hold them. Something kept coming back to me in my thoughts, like a communication, not with words, but with feelings, telling me to go back as it was not my time yet, and I felt it was trying to tell me that death is beautiful and it should not be feared. While I was coming back into my consciousness, I kept shouting, please take me. I want to go back up. Don't leave me down. Send me up. The doctors kept asking me where I wanted to go, and I just kept saying, Take me up. After I came home from surgery, I would cry and feel sad not being there, as I felt like I had been back home. All I thought about was the love I had experienced and the impact it had on me. I was more aware now how it would be when I die and I'm not scared of it anymore. I feel more gratitude towards life, and I respect it. I have really changed since that experience. Okay, here's the next one. My near-death experience happened when I was seven years old. I was playing with my dog in the back seat of the car while my diseased stepdad was driving. He took a sudden turn, And somehow the back door opened and I fell out with my head first where I got blunt trauma. Next thing that I knew is that I was out of my body, seeing a very bright white light and feeling really calm, happy and loved. I've never felt anything like that. It was a pure divine feeling. I was moving to something that looked like a portal or a gate made of bright white light. Then I heard a voice of a female talking with someone else that I could not see or hear. I also felt something familiar, like family surrounding me. The voice said, She is young. She should go back. It is not her time yet. Next thing I know, I opened my eyes, and I was in my mother's lap. I saw her crying while we were surrounded by some trees. Then I closed my eyes, went into a coma, and woke up a week after my head surgery. These are the only things that I remember. And I guess it's because I keep recalling that event my entire life pretty often. In fact, it's something I will never forget. Boy, all these stories with unconditional love. Now I know what love feels like. And even though I don't think we feel it that often, could you imagine just so much love and love for you? We're so hard on ourselves, aren't we? But imagine just a bright light jam-packed with this love that you can feel all for you. Okay, one last one. This one is titled, Down Syndrome Child Sees Grandfather While Near Death. My father died from cancer in 2002 when my daughter was only seven years old. Unfortunately, my father and I did not have a great relationship when I was growing up, but my daughter was so close to him and would sit with him in his chair when she visited. My daughter has Down Syndrome. When she was 14 years old, she developed leukemia and was rushed to the hospital. She seemed to be okay at first, but over the next few days, she developed sepsis, had to be intubated, needed IV medication to prevent her blood pressure from dropping, and went into organ failure. For two weeks, she was near death, and the medical staff warned us that she Was in bad shape. After the worst had passed, she started to recover. She was still intubated, so she couldn't talk, but she was excited and tried to talk when I would go to see her. Finally, she had improved enough that they could remove the tube. She excitedly told me that she had seen Grampy Bob, my father and that he told her she had to wake up. She also said that he told her that he loves you, which was directed at me. My daughter is a simple person who is honest and sincere. I believe with all of my heart that she saw my father and experienced all of these things. Sorry if I raced through these stories, but I had them and I wanted so badly to read them to you. For as many different people that are on the planet, we each have our own experiences and how we would describe life. I found that the same thing holds true with near-death experiences. There are so many similarities, but there's also some very unique things to them. I especially like stories like the ones we heard where People meet relatives or people that they don't know existed or the one lady while she was drowning, she saw a man she didn't recognize who came to be her biological father. Wow, those things are magical to me. That sense of peace and love. And most people come back from a near-death experience wanting to make a difference with other people and have absolutely no fear in dying. And the story where the lady prayed and visualized, all that stuff really works. I've had experiences in my life that I really concentrated on something just as I wanted it to happen. And you know what? It did happen. Now, I know there's other times, like when my dad was ill and in the hospital, oh, I tried everything. Like the woman who contacted the angel healer. I tried so many things, but Dad did not heal. But looking back, things needed to go exactly the way they did for me to go on the journey looking for evidence of the afterlife, for me to be here talking to you right now. It's always a good idea to play full out with everything we have available to help ourselves and another person heal. But I don't want you to forget that you are a divine soul having a human experience. And I don't think we're supposed to remember that. If you're interested in more near-death experience stories, I wholeheartedly would love to send you to ians.org. It is a nonprofit organization. So become a member all kinds of things available, or leave a donation. I know they would appreciate it. All of these episodes are, yes, to help us believe in the afterlife. But when we believe in the afterlife, we get to live a powerful life. So I'd love to invite you to some things coming up. This is being recorded at the beginning of January 2023. So Happy New Year to you. We're starting a brand new course to make a miracles happen in your life called new year new start with our medium tutors carrie and phil and also speaking of mediumship why not join us in a class on mediumship get to see the power of your soul in action and you never know who will come through in one of the breakout rooms we also have our free sunday gathering and our demonstration of trance mediumship and Healing with Scott Milligan. Details can be found at wedontdie.com. Lots of great things to choose from, including being part of our Facebook group, which now has over 7,000 fabulous members. In closing, and I don't say this lightly, I so appreciate you listening. You could be doing lots of things with your time, and what you're doing is you're choosing to listen to me. So I give everything I've got so that these are good experiences and you know that you are a divine soul. You're perfect, whole, and complete, just as you are. You are one of a kind. With that, my friend, I wish you a wonderful rest of the day. My name is Sandra Champlain, and you've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network.